Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 175 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you? And as we start the show, the phone lines are officially closed. Oh, man. I like when the like, calls come in at the last minute, you know, so that you're scrambling, you know, trying to fit in those calls. No, because if, if somebody calls now and then I have to download it and convert it, it's going to affect the integrity of what we're doing here. Uh, okay, fair enough. I got, I get you. And that takes precedence above all else. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hear you. I wouldn't want to do any extra work. I, I'm already tuckered out. Like, I feel like I've done enough podcasting this week that I think we should wrap up this episode in like 20 minutes because I've already put three hours under my belt this week. Well, I was going to say, well, two and a half got released. So uh, Adam was on Wrestling Cheers this week with Justin Summers. Uh, it was just a conversation with the two of them. And uh, I'm surprised that you only spent, like, a, it was a lean 45 minutes talking about your love of Broski. <laughs> well, I think neither one of us wanted to be full, like, creep. We wanted to just test the waters, leave a little bit there for the next time, you know, uh, let people want more. I think that's the, the mentality we went into it with. If I wasn't so busy at Super Secret Science job today, uh, I was going to do, like, a podcast PSA. And say, like, here's football talk, here's Doctor <laughs> Who talk, here's this, so people can skip around to the parts that they don't want to listen to, you know? See, that blasphemy. I think every single one of those topics is a good topic. I Listen, I listened the whole time. I, uh, I'm not going to say that I was surprised. I would say more sickened to learn uh, how much you love Doctor Who. You didn't know that I was a huge, I was a huge Whovian, Joe? you watched just because um like you and Todd would get together and Todd would tell me that you guys would get together and watch it but I didn't know you were like oh and this one is my doctor and like the stories aren't good and you know the names of the writers I think Ugh. that if you put any time into Doctor Who you automatically pick your favorite doctor and like you know if it wasn't for the fact that you are being like force fed Doctor right. Who, if you had came upon it on your own, you'd have your own favorite Doctor and first Doctor and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just because you're doing a kicking and screaming. I'm not doing it kicking and screaming. I'm doing it because I know Todd likes it a lot and I know it's pop culture y. Uh -huh. And if I was watching it and wasn't enjoying it, it we wouldn't be talking about it on Longbox Heroes. Okay. Um, like, I think Todd still watches The Flash. I still watch The I Flash know... as well. It's not, it's not pleasant, but I watch it. Right, so that's the thing. I got to a point where, like, I'm watching The Flash, and I'm like, I'm really not enjoying this anymore, so, like, I can't bring myself to watch it. And I think you and Todd still watch Walking Dead together? Uh, we still watch it on our own. We don't watch, we, we, okay. we no longer make it a point to get together for like the weekly, like gathering of watching walking dead. It's no longer a right. vet seeing, you know, I watched it like one extra season longer. And like Todd, like has that same out as well. Um, you know, anytime that he says he's like, yeah, I'm sick and tired of watching legends of tomorrow, which is, which is a sentence no one would ever say. Um, <laughs> But if he came to me one day and said, yeah, I'm done. No, I can't do with I can't deal with whatever. Um, I will say, though, you know, I know you had gotten it once uh, an accident. But when I send the show notes to Todd. Uh, weekly, just like when I send the show notes to you for this, 
like every comic book related TV show and every comic book related movie is in there. Like that has a release date and an active IMDb IMDb page, right? Yeah. And I'll send it to Todd and like especially with the TV shows, I'll be like, hey, so-and-so is debuting this week. Or like, hey, so-and-so comes back from hiatus this week. Do you have any feelings on this? And if he says no, it's like, well, we're not even going to bother, right? Yeah. So that's just the way – and that's the thing. Like, if we get to a point where one of the shows that we're watching comes – like, you know, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm enjoying Mandalorian. I'm enjoying Boba Fett. You know, we've been watching all the Star Wars things. I'm not, like, over the moon, like, excited. Like, I can't wait to watch the Obi-Wan show. But if Todd Ooh. comes to me and says, oh, my God, I have to talk about the Obi-Wan show, then we're going to talk about the Obi-Wan show, you know? The way I see it, there's really only two types of television programs right now. There is Peacemaker and there is not Peacemaker. Because, like, right now, those are the two classes of programming that's on right now. Well, I was going to watch Peacemaker today, but I had to block out two and a half hours before I, uh, you know, <laughs> something got bumped to the top of the podcast listening list, you know? Uh, yeah, late last night at like two o'clock in the morning, I was like, do I watch this week's episode of Peacemaker or do I finish off this ECW homework? And I was like, I can maybe squeeze in the homework after work tomorrow. But now I finished ECW. <laughs> yeah. Again, listen, the show comes first, you know? Yeah, sometimes. But definitely check it out. It'll be, you know, it was up on soon to be named network.com. It'll be included in the show notes for this if you buy by some chance. Uh, missed Adam, missed Adam on wrestling cheers. Uh, check it out. He was good. Thank you. Yeah. I, no I had a really good time. Uh, I said that I would come on the podcast as long as I would not have to speak about much wrestling. And I think that he accommodated that request. I would certainly say so now. Yeah. Cause what broski does is sports entertainment. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of wrestling. And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. It's a busy day in This Day in Wrestling History, Adam. All right. But we're going to try to zip through it as quickly as we can. Yep. Lightning round. Sentence or less for everything is what I'm shooting for. All right. For most of the stuff, but there is stuff that I'm going to uh, pontificate on. All right. Uh, this day, Wrestling History, 1990, an episode of Saturday Night's Main Event aired that saw the genius and Mr. Perfect take on the tag team of Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, fresh off of their bumping heads at the Royal Rumble the previous weekend. This is now the official build to WrestleMania Six: Hogan vs. Warrior, champion versus champion, title for title. And just a couple weeks or months away from me starting to watch wrestling, period. Because oh, WrestleMania really? 6 is what got me in, got me on board. So was it like you saw like a commercial or something? Or you saw the VHS tape and grabbed it? Like how did that happen? It was because I was under the impression that a bunch of people I knew were going to the Catholic Youth Center to watch this event live in person. Because I thought the pay-per-view was happening in Scranton at the Catholic Youth Center. Uh, and they had came back with the programs, which obviously famously has uh, Hogan and Warrior on the cover. So that's sure. that was my first exposure to wrestling. And I was like, oh, I wanted to go downtown and see this, you know, thinking it was live and not closed captioned or closed Closed circuit. I, I was there at the CYC for the closed circuit. I had been going to see the WrestleManias there since the first WrestleMania. 
Yeah. Yeah, I just I had never been exposed to wrestling prior to that discussion of like what I was just missing out on. Wow. Oh, my goodness. There you go. So, but again, when you I, say ni- not prior to 1990, wrestling didn't happen. You're you're dead serious. One hundred percent didn't didn't happen. It did not exist to me. So therefore, it doesn't count because. Right. It's all it matters to. But fun fact, I managed to uh, whine and complain until I got that program from the WrestleMania uh, 6. And I just recently sold it to my friend Edward Bay a couple weeks ago. (laughs) I think I've had that program come through my hands like three or four different times. And like it always just gets like turned over to someone else, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I did. I passed it on to someone else to enjoy. All right, so on this day in wrestling history as well, in 1993, uh, Andre the Giant passed away. And how how long was this after he uh, made the, the appearance on Clash of the Champions in WCW? Ooh, that's a good question. Because that's um, the last time I obviously saw him, you know? Yeah, okay, so let me see. Um, it probably would have been... A while, because um, I'm trying to think, because it was 20 years on the Superstation, so it might have been 92. Um, I know Andre, I think he had been on an episode of, like, UWF. No, that happened before. Uh, well, we're going to get into a Clash of the Champions uh, here, but this was Clash of the Champions 20. Whatever the date of that was. Yeah, there's, there's no rhyme or reason because it's not like they had a clash every month or every other month. It was just kind of whenever they felt like it, right? Right. I'm just an asking questions kind of guy, so that's why I'm bringing this all up. Of course, of course. Uh, so it was uh, September 3rd of 1992. Okay. So not that's not that long, really. Like, September... Three, four months. Like, yeah, like four months, literally. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he had been in rough shape for a long time. And obviously watching wrestling, even you coming in in 1990 for like the two years that he was on, a regular on WF TV uh, up to that point, like he was a shell of himself. And, you know, but he's still today one of the most recognizable uh, characters in all of professional wrestling, that they're still making like multiple action figures of him in multiple lines and multiple com- companies of Andre the Giant. Yeah, super recognizable unless you look at his most recently unveiled Super 7, because then you <laughs> cannot tell who it is. <laughs> well, it's specifically Andre the Giant and WrestleMania to the Battle Royal. Yeah, who could forget yellow tight Andre? I, I remember Yellow Tights Andre. He last eliminated Blue Tights uh, Heart Foundation. <laughs> I think there's just something wrong with your TV color. <laughs> no, that's the pictures. Those are the pictures. All right. Uh, speaking of Clash of the Champions, this day, Wrestling History 1994, World Championship Wrestling held Clash of the Champions uh, 20-something, 26 maybe. Uh, notable for two reasons. One, most notably, this was the WCW debut of Bobby the Brain Heenan. Uh, as we talked, I don't know if it came up on the show, but he had left WWF maybe like a month before this. Okay. Uh, no, it was maybe like two months. It was like the Monday Night Raw after 93 Survivor Series, where Gorilla kicked him out of the building. <laughs> 
So it was like two months later, he shows up here in WCW. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's the way everybody should have to jump ship. If you're leaving a company, like if you're leaving WWE to go to AEW, you need to be like comically escorted out of the building going forward. Not like just get a text from the uh, <laughs> Remind app that the World Wrestling Entertainment has you on to answer your phone so you yeah. can answer the phone about getting fired. Exactly. You need It has to be on care, on screen, and you have to be under the impression that it's just part of a storyline. Right. All right. Uh, but also on this show was a Brian Pillman versus Colonel Robert Parker match where the loser has to wear a chicken suit. <laughs> and I could give you a hint of who loses that match. But most notably at the time, Robert Parker was managing uh, stunning Steve Austin. Since Robert Parker is wrestling, Steve Austin was Robert Parker's manager. And Austin comes out in the full Colonel Robert Parker getup. <laughs> like, like the white suit, the hat, and he's doing Robert Parker's shtick to like a T the entire match. He just like cosplays as Colonel Robert Parker. I don't know if he like put a little extra in his pants for like the full effect, <laughs> but I'm assuming Austin is a method actor, so he probably did. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe had a little candy up the nose too, you know? Sure, sure. <laughs> Drank a 24 pack of Natty Ice in the locker room before he came out. <laughs> Uh, also, and again, it's a busy day. This day in wrestling history, 1996, uh, ECW held an event from the ECW arena, a literally do nothing, say nothing show never got released on VHS. Uh, the only notable thing that happened on this show was this was the first time that Raven won the ECW world heavyweight title. That doesn't seem like a, a, a nothing occurrence, but like the rest of the show is like trash. Like. Uh, the Gangsters versus the Pitbulls. Uh, Too Cold Scorpio defends the TV title against El Porto Vercanio. <laughs> the Blue Meanie takes on Judge Dredd. You know, all of your favorite ECW stars. <laughs> Who can forget Judge Dredd? Exactly. Uh, so so the, the Raven winning the title, was that like just ever like on another event or did did that happen with ecw where if just if it was a one match card it just kind of got lost so this is one that was just chopped up for tv but this was also the time where they start doing shows uh from queens new york and more of the tv uh from the queen show made it than this show um I think maybe like there's a Cactus and Mikey versus Shane Douglas and Tommy Dreamer match that made it to TV from this. But most of this arena show was just clips. And the, like so the Sandman Raven match was shown in full. You know what? I guess red letter date. This was also the debut of Kimono Wanalea. Oh, see, there, we should have led with that. Uh, well, speaking of leading with things, there's another uh, This Day in Wrestling History, head-to-head, -head, 1997, Raw versus Nitro. Uh, two sadly nothing-happening shows. Raw was taped and was main-evented by the Godwins taking on Mankind Invader. <laughs> um, and Nitro was just its usual two-hour mess of, like, random matches, you know? Yeah. Uh, also, on This Day in Wrestling History in 2008... Uh, Chikara's season began at an event in Hellertown. Uh, you can find it over on in uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Uh, a show that happened, but I would say most notably, there's an Eddie Kingston versus Shane Storm match 
where Shane Storm debuts. Like, have you seen Shane Storm before? Are you wear Shane Storm? I am. He's been in the Hallmark a couple times. Okay, so Shane Storm debuted like a new mask that had like a yellow blonde wig thing. Uh-huh. And uh, during the course of this match, Eddie, uh, from the beating that he gives Shane Storm, turns that blonde and white of the mask a lovely red color. <laughs> uh, whereas Shane Storm's nose is leaking a lot in this match. Oh, all right. And uh, Shane Storm's a good guy, somebody that I know very well. Eddie, again, also a good guy that I know very well. These two guys were friends. And, uh, you know, Shane Storm wasn't, like, the stiffest, craziest worker, but he has that inside of him. And uh, Eddie had a habit of bringing that out of his out of his friends, you know? Yeah. I haven't seen any Chikara in a while. I feel like I'm uh, falling behind. I think the next homework I'm going to give you is going to be the season finale if my schedule looks correct. All right. I'm worried uh, that I'm missing stuff. Like, things are going on that I'm just not aware of. You know what? I'll say this. Nothing has gone on in Chikar in the last two years. <laughs> All right. Uh, also on this day, though, uh, 2008 as well, the Chikar show happened in the afternoon. The night event was the World Wrestling Entertainment's Royal Rumble from Madison Square Garden. Uh, most notably, this was that John Cena return from injury at number 30, and he wins the Royal Rumble. And I actually liked the setup for this because there wasn't really an entrance ramp. The uh, yep. the entrance was facing hard cam, and it was maybe three rows back. Right, and that's like MSG just had that awesome look, especially for pay per views and stuff. It just made things look so different. And I think nowadays when they do MSG, they just make it look like every other building, you know? Yeah. Um, I like either ungodly large buildings or super small ones, you know, whether it be like a baseball stadium or the Hammerstein ballroom, you know, some nothing in between. I want everything to be one of those two. Yeah. More on that later. <laughs> uh, but flash forward five years from that, uh, 2013 Royal Rumble takes place from the U S airways arena in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, John Cena yet again, wins the Royal Rumble. Uh, being able to cash in his opportunity for the main oh. event of WrestleMania. <laughs> There's that word again. Because also on this show, uh, The Rock defeated CM Punk, who at the time was the longest reigning champion of the modern era, and uh, to set up once in a lifetime again of John Cena versus The Rock at WrestleMania. <laughs> I'm sure Phil took it in stride, though. Well, <laughs> wouldn't you know who won the pony on this day in wrestling history in 2014? CM Punk officially walked out of the World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, well, and I would say that it had been a long standing set of issues, but one can certainly point to exactly one year prior of him losing the belt to the Rock at Royal Rumble. And then a year later, him walking out of the company. Yeah. Well, he can't get healthy where he got sick, Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to read this prepared statement again from my lawyer. <laughs> uh, for the next year, uh, calendar year, uh, you know, or, or like, you know, 12 months, uh, I am not allowed to disparage <laughs> or speak any past truths or opinions. And I, they threw that truths or opinions verbiage in there recently. Uh, in regards to uh, CM Punk into an open microphone for dissemination to other individuals. Thank you. <laughs> You've either gone soft or he's gotten to you. 
Well, uh, I've always been soft. Come on. <laughs> um, but lastly and leastly, uh, on this day in wrestling history, um, in 2018, from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, whatever the hell they call the spectrum, it's still the spectrum in my heart, uh, was NXT TakeOver Philly. Uh, the main event of which was Andrade versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT title. Huh, Arguably okay. one of the best matches of the last, like, ten years. Yeah. Yeah, I think we recently, I think it was maybe when Andrade, like, jumped ship that he had uh-huh. such a low-key, brief NXT run <laughs> of just being a top, top guy, you know? Yeah. And I was there live for it. Uh, I was there with a friend of mine, Chad. He had come in from Indiana. And uh, we did NXT, and then the next night was the Rumble. NXT was invariably better. Um, And also at the NXT event, uh, I ran into Kevin Ford there. We were both wearing our core uh, wrestling t-shirts and took a Mark (laughs) picture together. I've seen that picture. And I I regret never having the opportunity to see an NXT takeover pay-per-view. And it's Mm -hmm. like, obviously, there will never be another chance because NXT folded recently. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like, the atmosphere of one of those NXT shows, you know? Like, I'm not going to say it's the same as me missing out on never going to the ECW arena, but it's another feeling of a wrestling show that it will be difficult to capture, you know? For sure. I was going to say, they did just announce that the... Uh, afternoon matinee prior to WrestleMania night one is going to be an NXT takeover. We need a, a new punny way to say takeover because it's certainly not takeover anymore. Oh, work on that. Listen, I know Adam, you haven't been watching, but I don't know if you've seen the last two weeks and then you saw the, the backstage uh, skit from raw this past week, that young up and coming kid is starting to make some waves, <laughs> starting to get some notice. The pride of Hagerstown. Thirty-nine years young, you know. L.A. Knight is going to be the uh, mega, the the mega star we all knew he would be. Just wait until he wins the Rumble this weekend, dude. <laughs> he's coming out number one, and he's just eliminating everybody. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, which um, I'm going off tra- off topic here. Which would you rather? L.A. Knight comes out number one and outlasts everybody. Or he comes out number 30, eliminates Brock Lesnar. At, at, like, obviously, I don't even, Brock Lesnar's probably not even in it. But, like, somebody of a Lesnar caliber and wins at the last minute. I, I think L.A. Knight's ceiling is maybe accidentally eliminating Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> maybe. Uh, all right. But but did you see that skit where 42-year-old Bobby Roode and four, and and 41-year-old Dolph Ziggler called 39-year-old L.A. Knight kid? <laughs> of course not. That doesn't sound like anything I would watch. <laughs> oh I was getting people messaging it to me at like 3 o'clock in the morning, Monday into Tuesday. They're like, did you see this? Because I'm the L.A. Knight whisperer, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I did I've done see- this to myself. I've done this to myself. I know. I did make it a point to look for Sleepy Girl, and she was briefly on NXT this week again. Yeah, she only had the one match, but she just, like, pops up in, like, skits now, you know? Yeah, I'll take it. People talk about, like, AEW being, like, top-heavy and having too many people that they can't get them all on TV. Uh, you know, NXT Two Point Glow is kind of like that. But it's less of, we've we've run out of time to put these people on TV, 
it's more everyone's getting COVID in sweeping waves, so they have to be <laughs> off TV for weeks at a time. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. Yeah, well. Uh, so, hey, Adam, uh, what do you want to talk about from wrestling this past week? Anything uh, come into your purview that you'd like to discuss? Uh, you know what? Sure. There, there was a little pay-per-view event this past weekend, and I know you said more on this later, but... I feel like I really covered a lot of that on Wrestling Cheers this week. So unless you have a ton of stuff to add about uh, the world on GCW, I would just as soon move along and say if you would like to hear my take on one of the greatest indie events of this generation, uh, you know, you'd have to go listen to it on Wrestling Cheers. Now, Adam, I'm going to ask you a question on behalf of the audience. All right. Do you want to hear my take on the show from Sunday? Or do you really want to hear my take on the show from Sunday? I'm a little worried because you're you're gonna somehow try to make me feel bad about enjoying it. But okay, <laughs> so I'm gonna say this right up front. I'm glad the people that were involved in this got the experience that they got to. I'm glad the people that watch this show that have been following GCW for the last three or four years. Um, you know, not the years prior that didn't happen that we don't talk about, except for that red chair. Um, I'm glad that you all got your moment, that you got this big stage and it happened on worldwide pay-per-view and it was the biggest audience and the biggest gate and they made all this money and everyone got to be involved in this really cool show that they're proud of. And, and I get a lot of their negativity because I would hate to have my accomplishment be decried by someone um, in like maybe an unfair way or maybe in a whatever way. Um, but I cannot take away from GCW that they sold out the Hammerstein ballroom. It was like 2000 plus people at a very high end premium ticket. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of people that got on that show that that was their dream to wrestle in that building in front of a huge crowd. And they did it. And that's awesome. That being said, uh, I thought the show sucked. Um, from a technical standpoint, it was an embarrassment. The crowd wasn't mic'd properly at all. And I'll even and I'll walk this back even a little bit. I understand if you were there live that this was an awesome show. The experience of being there live was probably fantastic. The crowd, from what I understand, was super loud the whole time. And I want you, the live audience, to know none of that came across to the home-watching viewing audience. Yeah. It was dead. The audience was deadly quiet the entire time. Um, the show itself was an over-bloated mess. Um, like I said, from a technical standpoint, like everybody was really trying to hit their times like Literally, as soon as matches were over, people just stopped selling and ran to the back to try to get <laughs> things done as quickly as they can. Um, then we could get into the false advertising of matches um, and not letting, and I don't think they let the live crowd know, but they certainly didn't let the at-home crowd know that Jonathan Gresham wasn't going to be wrestling. You know, the Ring of Honor champion, which was in a high-profile marquee match on your show. Um, AJ Gray versus Eddie Kingston, which is a match you shot promos and made graphics for, was just completely ignored, and AJ Gray was moved to a completely different match. Um, 
the fact that all of your homegrown talent either lost or weren't in matches on the show for the most part. Um, the whole second gear crew with the, uh, the Ohio 4-0 whatever group, which we just ignore now that Ricky Shane Page, who used to be the leader, is just not involved anymore. Um, the Sabu thing was good, but the whole show played as like a beat-for-beat, line-for-line redo of an ECW show, which is fine, which is great. I like ECW a lot, you know what I mean? But I don't want to watch somebody do a 16-year-old ECW show beat for beat in 2022, but that's just me. Uh, I had like three or four people, privately and publicly, who bought into the hype, but never watched GCW before, but saw all these names and saw this promotion and saw this everything. And again, it was only four people. I'll state that. It was only four people. They got the pay-per-view, they watched the show, and they contacted me and said, that sucked. And I can't disagree with them. Um, And then, sadly, um, I thought the Broski versus Joey Janela match stunk, too. Um, I know they claimed it was 20 minutes bell-to-bell, but if we include entrances and post-match shenanigans, we're well over a half hour, eating up time. Uh, I know on the podcast this week, Broski and Brian intimate that maybe there was a spot or two that was foisted on them that they were not happy about. Um, did you get a chance to listen to the show this week? Yeah. Yeah, I listened. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad Broski got all of his friends and family paydays off of this. <laughs> and that's the only silver lining I have of this. And I'm going to guess it's going to be a second payday because it certainly feels like they're going to do some sort of five on five nonsense with like Joey and Marco stunt and X-Pac and someone and someone taking on like the whole broski crew. Yeah. So if it gets everyone a second, nice payday, you know, that's cool. I'm happy everyone was involved, but I thought the show wasn't very good. All right. Full disclosure. I, turned the show off after the Janela Broski match. Okay. So I have no idea what the hell happened afterwards. I heard that there was some shit with the main event just ending or they were they had a hard ending for the time. I don't know. I didn't watch any of it. So when I say that I thoroughly enjoyed the show, I mean I thoroughly enjoyed the one match that I paid attention to. Sure. Uh, I watched a little bit of the latter match that preceded the Janelle Broski match, and I saw somebody like almost bite it diving off of the the ladder. Uh, yeah, they have somebody hold on to ladders in GCW, but obviously the only thing I w- I, I was watching for was the Janelle Broski match, and from a ridiculousness that I have come to expect from my Deathmatch King, I was pleased with what I got. Um, I don't mind the fact that there was a bunch of goofy shit like Chelsea turning on Broski, but Broski had a cup. And I think this is the second time they've used the cup gimmick in their GCW run. And uh, I I liked the uh, the Brian Myers, uh, his edge homage with the biker helmet and everything. Oh, like sure. That. So, like there was stuff that I liked in there. I Going back to what you said about the crowd and the audio being terrible. 
I did not understand why Broski was coming out to enter Sandman. It wasn't until I saw on Twitter that he had Downstate completely remix his theme music to sound yep. like Enter Sandman, which if you go and listen to that audio, even somebody who hates Broski like you would have appreciated that audio is really, really good. But I uh, don't hate Broski. I just don't love him nearly as much as you do. I and know, I don't think anyone can. <laughs> I know, I'm teasing. But uh, so, like, I really like that remix. If you were actually able to hear it on the pay-per-view, I think it would have paid off a lot more. Yeah. Uh, I just enjoyed it for what it was. Am I ever going to watch that match again? No, of course not. Right. But, like, if you tell me the next GCW pay-per-view, as you mentioned, is going to be the continuation with with X-Pac and Swaggle and all that, those people, uh, I will make it a point to spend just as much on that pay-per-view as I spent watching this previous one. Gotcha. And, listen, there's positives I had. I thought um, Alley Cat's entrance gear was good. Like, it looked very professional and high caliber. I like Double J's spooky My World remix. And <laughs> I popped huge for when Nick Gage came out, you know? Yeah. Um, I just feel as though, you know, whatever's been going on in Nikki's life, I hope he's, you know, legitimately doing okay. Uh, I know they tried to do a fake out and say that he wasn't going to be on the show, but as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, okay, well, there's an angle. He's going to be on the show in some capacity. Um, I just think as though, like, if Nikki was healthy and ready to go, there was more money and feeling and whatever to have with a rematch of him and Moxley, as opposed to him and Tremont being in a makeshift tag match against the Briscoes that went like under four minutes because they had to be out of the building by a certain time. Yeah. I don't know. I think um, there's, for, again, I can't say because I didn't watch it all. I, I watched barely any of it. I think that from what I'm seeing, there's more positive buzz than negative buzz. And, right. And that's, and that's awesome. I, I, I'm glad the show was as awesome as they said it is. And I'm glad the people that enjoyed it enjoyed it. Um, I just didn't think it was very good. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see whatever the next big show is. Uh, WrestleMania weekend. They just announced like spring break night one and two. Okay. All right. Well, what do you want? Do you want to do something now? You got, you got anything else from this week? Uh, I I have uh I have kind of a mishmash of stuff that I want to talk about that maybe we'll overlap on this. And mm, I just want to say I doubt a, it, but go ahead. I'm Joe, and I don't like mainstream wrestling television. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a bunch of stuff that I enjoyed from AEW's Beach Break. Okay. And I don't want to go into like a ton of detail about them, but like the Sammy Guevara versus Cody TNT title ladder match, uh, I, I was shocked to say it was a really, really fun match. Uh, there was that sick cutter off the top of the ladder that Sammy Guevara gave, a super stiff GTH on Cody, where it was fun watching Cody get his head knocked off. Uh, and then the senton on the ladder that didn't break. I liked that match a lot. Uh, I liked the Britt Baker just tearing apart the Cleveland crowd. I don't know why, but that that promo spoke to me. And the Orange Cassidy versus Adam Cole lights out non-sanction match I thought was really fun as well. And I, I should really give credit where credit's due. Having these non-sanctioned matches where they don't count against your record is just a genius way of giving somebody a win, but at the same time not having to give somebody a recorded loss. So I, I like all, all those and a bunch of other stuff that happened on Beach Break this week. 
Uh, yeah, I'm with you on two of those, uh, two or three of those things. I like the main event. Um, you know, OC getting the win was really good. Um, and again, their way of being a lights out match. So it doesn't count against Cole's record, which was innovative. Uh, you know, Cody got that, uh, he got his fourth star this, this past Wednesday night. <laughs> and for one week, he gets to be the four star general. Uh, but no, it was a very memorable, uh, opening ladder match. The right person went over. Um, and uh, I know why you like the Britt Baker promo, but that was like the laziest of lazy promos from her. Oh, uh, I, I liked the CM Punk MJF segment. <laughs> go on, go on. It, it was, it was one of the better MJF promos that he's done. Like I always say like MJF is good for like one out of 10 promos. This is just one. So get ready for nine shitty ones. <laughs> Last week you you liked the Cody promo. This week you like the MJF. Yeah. What's gonna happen next week? I don't know. <laughs> but I obviously let's talk about the Baker that actually wins shit right there. Classic stuff. Classic. A Baker you can believe in, Joe. And I came I, out of that promo being like, I really need to buy that AEW Britt Baker chase figure where she's wearing the Pittsburgh gear, don't I? <laughs> Kind of do. Sure. <laughs> but, yeah, that's all I want to talk about was, you know, obviously touch on GCW and uh, those those segments on AEW. Okay. Uh, I'll just uh, – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't say anything. Uh, I'll say um, Drew from Beyond needs to stop doing shitty Twitter angles. <laughs> uh, I know you don't know nothing about this, but, like – stick to getting like indie people and just letting them do their own things instead of like trying to book some sort of weird North versus South angle on Twitter. Cause everyone thinks it's corny and no one believes it and no one cares. Um, you do the same stupid Twitter angle every like year or so and it sucks, but you still keep doing it. And then, like, when people call you out on it, you just say that it's a bit. Um, I don't know. It kind of sucks. And stop doing it because you kind of take away from, like, anything cool that could happen. You know, like the actual wrestling. Um, most indies shouldn't do storylines because no one cares. And everyone's like, oh, what's the storyline in PWG? Nobody cares because they just do a whole bunch of cool matches. Um You know, you could do a storyline without trying to turn it into some sort of, like, weird Twitter shoot. And uh, you need to stop doing that. It's embarrassing. <laughs> all right. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got for this week. Okay. Well, hey, you know what, Joe? I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a pay-per-view this weekend. There is. Is Sammy Zane's taking down to the ring? Is Kofi Kingston doing his thing? Ruby Soho. Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Is it the big dog's yard? Let's find out. Does Joe know the card? All right, Joe. According to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of wrestling news and information, the Royal Rumble is this Saturday. There are six matches, but you know what? Two of them are the Rumbles. You have four matches. We're going quickly. Name them. 
we have uh, Seth versus Roman for the SmackDown title. Yep. We have Brock versus Bobby Lashley for the Raw title. Yep. We have Becky Lynch versus Dewdrop for the ladies title. Yep. The red ladies title specifically. <laughs> and is the other match the blue ladies title? It is not. Uh, is it a tag title match? It's a tag match, and there are ladies in it, but there's also men. Mm. Oh, it's the Miz and Maurice versus Edge and Beth Phoenix. There you go. You knew the card. Now, let's get to the thing that everybody cares about and everybody's listening. It's the at-odds Royal Rumble opportunity, Joe. Okay, so as you can see, Adam, as you're looking here, I have the spreadsheet of everyone who uh, picked, sent in their money. Slots filled up very quickly, and I may have um, shorted myself, but I got into, uh, let's just say, uh, I got into a very good uh, Royal Rumble pool. All right. Not as good as ours, but. (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) So I have two containers here, uh, two hats with numbers 1 through 30 on them. One is for the men's and one is for the women's. And Adam, I'm picking your numbers first, just so you know. All right. While you're just kind of rumbling around through there, I want to say I do agree with what you guys uh, postulated over on Longbox Heroes this week. And that is that next year you spend $10 and you get all men's and all women's. And that's it. You You get get the the same number. Yeah. You don't necessarily get the same number, like entrant number, but. It's still random, but yeah. you don't have to worry about it being like, I would like three men's entries and two women's, and it's just becoming confusing. Yeah, you're going to get, if you want three, you're getting three, you know, you're paying 30 bucks, you're getting three men's, three women's. Yeah. All yeah. right, so anyways, pick my Less, list less work for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right, so Adam, in the men's rumble, I'm going to try to go as quickly as I can, but we'll see. That's yeah, all right. Uh, men's rumble, you have number 13. All right, I don't hate it. And in the women's rumble, you have number four. Ooh. Oh. All right. All right. Next, next up, we have Fred. What was that? I was going to say, Alexa's got a lot of work to do if she's winning out of the four spot. Oh, there's a, there's a dirty rumor going around that she's going to do the three faces of Foley gimmick at the pay-per-view, so we'll see. Oh, all right. Um, so Tim Taylor, friend of the show, uh, one half of uh, Final Wrestling Place. In the men's rumble, he gets number 30. All right. And in the women's rumble, he gets number 16. Uh, Next up, Smart Mark Andy, uh, videographer of many of the shows that we watch on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. He has two men's picks and two women's picks. His two men's picks that fell out on the floor. Oh, are numbers 19 and 21. And in the uh, women's, he's got 15 and 25. All right. Uh, next up, we have Kyle, not Guile, uh, the uh, cover artist of Ma- Mail Magazine for Between the Sheets. <laughs> he's got a pick in each as well. In the men's rumble, he's got number 12. And in the women's rumble, he's got number 24. 
All right. Uh, last year's winner, Jay Gold, uh, the new co-host of IWTV Guide 2.0. <laughs> In the men's rumble, he's got number 29. And in the women's rumble, he's got number six. All right. Next up, we have Big Sue Jackson. Again, another friend of the show, longtime listener. He's the one that started the uh, the ball rolling that the rules are changing. He's got two picks for the men's and one pick for the women's. <laughs> uh, for the men's, he's got number two and number 14. And for the women's rumble, he's got number three. Number three. Next up, we have DJ, co-host of uh, We Need Wrestling. He's got a pick in each. In the men's rumble, he's got number four. And in the women's rumble, he's got number two. Oh, that's going to be a tough, that's a tough draw, DJ. His lovely wife, Michelle, who hates professional wrestling but likes the Royal Rumbles. <laughs> uh, co-host of Wings on Wings on Soon to Be Named Network. She's got a pick in each as well. In the men's rumble, she's got number 11. And in the women's rumble, she's got number five. The boar, world famous uh, degenerate gambler. <laughs> Possibly, uh, I, I don't want to say that he may have been a little embarrassing uh, with his remarks on Twitter after the Chiefs won, uh, <laughs> but that was that was an exciting game. So gloat, gloat. He's got three picks in the men's. Are you ready? I'm ready. He's got number nine, number five, and number one. Oof. You gotta you gotta shake that John Cena hat up. I'm sir. shaking it every time. <laughs> and in the men in the women's rumble, here's a good shake for you. He's got number 13, All right. 22, and 30. Okay. Like I said, I'm sh- can you hear the shaking? I can hear it. So next up, we have Brett, the other co-host of uh We Need Wrestling. And uh also co-host of Wings on Wings. He's got two and two. In the men's, he's got number six and number 25. Okay. And in the women's, he's got 19 and 20. Oh, back to back. See, you know, in previous years, that would have been a good draw for the Iconics. Yes. But I don't know. Oh, did you see that news? Did you Did you see? Did you see the doctor and me? Uh, they were offered uh, spots in the women's rumble and they turned it down. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, they publicly came out and said, that, yeah, they contacted us about being in it. We told them to go sh- piss up a rope, you know? Nice. Were they like, Are, you got to be joking me, is probably what they said. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> One second here. So next up, Daniel Silverthorne. Again, kind of even things out. You know, Sue didn't take an extra women's pick. Daniel took only a women's pick. And uh, Daniel's got number eight. Uh, Dr. Keith Lipinski, empresario of AAW out of Chicago, amongst many other things. Uh, Howard Stern fan, Raven fan, all around good guy. In the men's rumble, he's got number eight. 
And in the women's rumble, he's got number one. Ooh. Another longtime friend of the show, longtime listener, longtime friend of mine, Jenna. She's got one and one. And her picks are number 20 in the men's rumble, number 14 in the women's rumble. All right. Ben Pasco, a man who does not believe Reno Riggins is real. <laughs> Even though he has a uh, Twitter account, he has two picks. In the men's rumble, he's got number 23 and number 28. In the women's rumble, he's got number 10 and number 21. All right. Dwayne, a listener of these shows here, a frequent purchaser of the uh, click-throughs on Amazon. Go fit the uh, Amazon link in the show notes, the affiliate link. Help us out here over at... Uh, at odds with wrestling. He got one for the men's and he's got number 24. Uh, Maddie treats uh, another degenerate gambler <laughs> of the house show podcast and noted pervert. Uh, well, again, on a show full of perverts, I'd say he's only like third on the list, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the men's rumble, he's got two picks in the men's rumble. He's got number three and number 26. And in the women's rumble, he's got number 11 and number 18. All right. Uh, my co-host on Ad Odds or on a uh, Longbox Heroes and your co-host on uh, Porch Talk, Todd, has one and one. Yeah. Another another degenerate gambler. Lots of them coming out of the woodwork. For of this. course. <laughs> in the men's rumble, he's got number 22. And in the women's rumble, he's got number 26. Okay, I'm going to take a picture of this because God knows he ain't listening to the pod. <laughs> I'll send everybody gets a message when they're done. All right. I'm going to be up all night messaging people with this shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, you could uh, just... Oh, all right, never mind. No, go ahead. What? I was going to say just just screenshot it and just tweet it out, you know? No, nah, it's I, I like doing it my way, you know? Yep. Uh, so Pat, a.k.a. Ronald Two Legs, uh, one-fifth or fourth or whatever of... Pod Van Dam, he's got one and one. Uh, he's got 16 in the men's and 12 in the women's. Uh, next, up, next up, Royce McWee, another listener, longtime listener of the show. He's got one and one. He's got 17 in the men's rumble and number nine in the ladies' rumble. Uh, Kenny Pete, another longtime listener. He did two in each. Yep. And in the men's rumble, he's got number 15 and number seven. And in the women's rumble, he's got number 17 and 29. And I think we're getting down to the end here. Uh, Monsoon Classic, world-famous, all-around good man. He uh, has one and one. Uh, his YouTube channel is actually the favorite YouTube channel of Tony Khan. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the men's rumble, he's got number 10. And in the women's rumble, he's got number 8. Uh, next up, Kevin Marshall, uh, another 
caller of the show. I'd say Kevin number three when it comes to the callers, right? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to keep all the Kevin straight. He's got number 18 in the men's and number 23 in the women's. Uh, David Kincannon, the Jingle Meister, uh, host of uh, Hit My Music. What are the goddamn odds? Huh, what? In the men's rumble, he's got number 27. And in the women's rumble, he's got number 27. Oh, easy to remember. And the last one, the last women's pick, which was for me, because that's all that was left, I got <laughs> number seven. All right. Well, you know, what did I, I, I think we're close on the women's because I had number four. You have so four our, and I got, our, yeah, we're close, you know. Our, our people are going to probably, you know, make contact at some point. Well, if rumor and innuendo were to be believed, right? Uh-huh. Okay, you know what? Let's do this. We don't know everyone who's announced for both Rumbles. I know we've discussed in the show that we feel as though Broski uh, is going to be one of the surprise mystery men in the Men's Royal Rumble, okay? Yeah. Pick me winners. Who do you think is going to win the Men's Rumble? Who do you think is going to win the Women's Rumble? See, I feel like I'm very uh, detached from the product and more so than I have been in years and years and years. I, I have no concept of who's even on the come up, you know, okay. like in, in previous years, you would always say, all right, well, you got your average guys who have been competing for the title over the past year. Like, you know, your, your Bobby Lashley, your Drew McIntyre, people that are always in the title picture, but then there was always the people that were, uh, you know, like long shots, your, your underdogs, your guys that were, you know, getting ready for their time. I, I have no concept of what's going on in the WWE that I have no idea. You could tell so, me that it's going to be LA night and I believe you. <laughs> okay. So um, here's my thought process on the men's in the men's. There's no clear cut person that could be the winner of who's been announced so far. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's going to be AJ styles. I think, I don't think it's going to be almost, I don't think it's going to be whomever. Right. Uh, uh, my thought process is that by hook and by crook, you know, the infamous, like, oh, they beat someone up and took their number or somebody was taken out backstage. So just a random person comes out. Right. Uh, I think the winner of the men's Royal Rumble is going to be Brock Lesnar. Oh, and, but he's a champion though, right? Right. But he's going to do it. So that he can get his t- his match finally at WrestleMania against Roman Reigns. And have like champion versus champion. Right. Champion versus champion, title for title. Just like Hogan and Warrior, you know, 22 years ago or 32 years ago. Goddamn, we're old. <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, that's a cool idea, which is exactly why I don't think it would happen. Now, on the women's side of things... And I want to stop you before you predict anything. They could have it be anybody because nothing in the women's division matters because you could put anybody in the title picture. You could give them the belt and three months later, it's just going to be uh, Sasha Bailey, Charlotte, you know, Becky, you know. Okay, so it's interesting you say that. So there's a lot of folks that are speculating odds or whatever 
that Bianca is going to Bianca Belair is going to win the Rumble again, be the first ever back to back winner of the Women's Royal Rumble. Right. Okay. Then there's been some rumor going around that World Wrestling Entertainment has tapped Ronda Rousey uh, for a return toward her build to a match at WrestleMania. And you do that by winning the Royal Rumble. Okay. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be either one of those things. I think it's going to be someone who's returning. Someone who's returning from injury. And I have it on good authority, my dream journal, that they're (laughs) turning the Women's Royal Rumble into a come-as-you-are-anything-goes bunkhouse Royal Rumble because my pick for the Women's Rumble is Bailey. (laughs) Uh, You know what? All very good options. Uh, I honestly think that Ronda Rousey would be an injection of star power. I hate to say it into that division that is sorely missing right now. Uh, it's always good to see Bailey. I, I agree with you. The a bunkhouse brawl would be a good idea, but uh, you know what, if you're going to have somebody returning from a long absence from the ring, you know, win this thing. I mean, it's gotta be Alexa, but I don't know. I think there's a couple valid choices in there. I, I don't want to say, I don't want it to be Bianca. Because Bianca was awesome in her rise to the top and her WrestleMania win. It's just like they they and not her completely dropped the ball on that run. And I just don't want more of it. So I kind of want something different just to mix it up, you know? This could be the beginning of her rehabbing. Getting back to a spot where she means something again. Yeah. You have her come out. Like last year she was like an early entrant. She, like, lasted the longest, and she won. Do it again. Say it's impossible for her to win two years in a row. Just don't do the bullshit where they, like, throw them out through the middle rope and that they get to take a nap under the announce desk for 20 (laughs) minutes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I I just hope that it's not, like, just somebody random. I, I hate to just throw out names, but, like, yeah, like Dewdrop is obviously just out of nowhere is in the women's title picture. She's just somebody to be fed to Becky Lynch and then to be sent back down to the bottom. You know, I don't want somebody else to win the Rumble just for the sake of being fed to somebody at Mania. You know, I get you, but I think you know what, and I think the match with Dewdrop and Becky at uh, Royal Rumble this weekend is going to be a good match, right? Oh, sure, but it'll be forgotten tomorrow. Or the day after the pay-per-view. Right. So that's the thing is like, okay, now what do you do with her? She has this match. She comes close. And, you know, it's going to be the same thing where it's like Liv Morgan, where they have a decent match. Doesn't win. Has the rematch on Raw. Doesn't win again. And then she just shuffles right back down the card. Yeah. They really need to figure out more than, like, two storylines for the women. Three if you include being spooky. (laughs) And that's the wild card of the bunch, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So good good luck to everyone with their picks. Um, I will message you individually with your picks after this episode goes live, just in case you weren't listening, uh, which you should be. but we do have uh, another thing to talk about as well, correct? Because you assigned us homework. I did, and I think this backfired on me, Joe.
owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. So Adam uh, assigned us both uh, a special episode of Raw, which if you're watching on the cock. And Adam, <laughs> I did the research for you from Wrestling Cheers that you assigned to me. Yes. And uh, you can have up to five devices on the cock at once. Oh, well, that's an opportunity right there. Certainly is. Now, awesome. I know in the past, specifically for WrestleMania, uh, but again, this was on the old actual WWE Network. They throttled it to two. Okay. But as I understand it, you can you could stream the cock from five devices at once um, with your subscription. Okay. Well, Summers, you might have to reach reach out to me. We'll have to work out like a little split ski. Let me know what streaming services you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'll just I want to correct you and in essence correct myself because I did say that uh, the first part, the episode zero, was a special episode of Raw. Apparently, this was a special Tuesday presentation that aired in addition to uh, Raw and SmackDown that week. So there was Raw on Monday. There was WCW or WWE versus ECW on Tuesday, and then like your regular Thursday or Friday SmackDown. And then the ECW one night stand on that Sunday. So there was a, a jam packed week of television. So this wasn't an episode of raw. It was a standalone special. Right. And it's on the cock as season one, episode zero of WWE ECW. So Adam had us watch this. And then the first ever episode of ECW on sci-fi and uh, Hey Adam. Yeah. It's a new breed unleashed. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, that sounds familiar. I, I feel like they might have mentioned that a couple times on on the at least on the first episode. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't get a chance to watch, of course, you can go check out our friend Kevin Hellion's uh, website, maskedlibrary.com. He always does a write up uh, for whatever we assign as homework. And I know usually he'll also do like a predictions for whatever the pay per view coming up uh, the weekend where we don't have homework is as well. Yeah. Uh, so, again, we could spend as much or as little time on this as you want to. Uh, you know, obviously, I was assigned, so I kind of lead here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Do whatever you want, and I'll chime in where I got stuff. So, we get to see um, the WWE locker room being hyped up uh, by Mick Foley, and we get to see the ECW locker room hyped up by Paul Heyman. It's always a delight to see Terry Funk in any form, and uh, <laughs> it was glad to see... 2006 World Wrestling Entertainment stalwart Tatanka <laughs> on my TV. That was delightful. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it's just in my head or whatever, but it is very weird hearing people chant ECW and not EC dub. I don't right. know if I have it messed up in my brain, but ECW sounds weird and wrong. Yeah. Well, I definitely think this was WWE's concerted effort to change the chant from ECW to ECW. Yeah, because it's probably you can't patent dub or something like that. Well, it's something that Vince can control. Vince, uh, there was an interview with Vince or word had gotten out from Vince when all the time in WF when they would break a table and the fans would chant ECW. Uh, Vince said, I'm the one who taught the fans to do that. <laughs> 
And this was like in like 2000, like this was like 1999 to 2004. You know, this was like pre whatever the wax sculpture of Vince McMahon every Monday night we see is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is innovator of violence, Vince McMahon. Yes. Uh, So we have two commentary teams, uh, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler for World Wrestling Entertainment, uh, Taz and the anchor of the commentation station, Joey Styles for ECW. Um, here we are, Adam, what, 16 years later, and Taz and JR are calling uh, wrestling still for AEW. Yeah, and, and I know, like, I, I don't know who's got beef with who, but I would say that I would trade JR for Joey Styles at any point, and uh, Taz is very good at commentary, even then. Mm, yeah, and Joey Styles is overrated. Well, uh, again, one of us is a huge ECW fan and maybe gives... <laughs> You know, people some slack. Uh, mm-hmm. One of us is not, I guess. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, this is a a night pitting the World Wrestling Entertainment superstars against the ECW wrestlers. Uh, this was before they figured out the branding that they would be extremists. <laughs> That's what they ended up with. Uh, yeah. You know, it was novel concept in 2006 to call wrestlers wrestlers in the World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah. Uh, so uh, opening contest is Rey Mysterio, who is the world champion. Uh, you know, the, the big gold belt, uh, the old WCW belt, taking on Rob Van Dam, who is the Money in the Bank winner. Uh, both men have big matches coming up at the pay-per-view as Rey was defending the title uh, against Sabu. And RVD was cashing in his Money in the Bank contract against the world champion or the uh, WWE champion, John Cena. Uh, This match goes a commercial break and this match was really fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, this is again, I'm going to say that this this homework might have backfired, but I'm watching this opening match and being like, Holy shit, I forgot that this was a thing, and I enjoyed every second of that match. And I don't know if you mentioned, but, you know, RVD goes over. It is a non-title match, so it doesn't really hurt Rey Mysterio. RVD looks strong going in. Uh, You know, hey, he just beat the the world champion. Maybe he could beat the WWE champion, you know? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, And like I said, in this instance, you know, they're both high-profile matches. Uh, that they have going into the pay-per-view. Um, but obviously Rob's is higher profile, you know? Yeah. Uh, so next up, we have uh, Kurt Angle, the newest defectee to the ECW brand. Uh, he's going to come out and address his enemies, uh, I guess, because uh, he's had a big match coming up at the pay-per-view against Randy Orton. And uh, Kurt sounded great. Uh, definitely <laughs> not in an altered state of any kind. Uh, definitely not like someone who was going to be uh, leaving the World Wrestling Entertainment in a matter of months uh, due to his uh, pill addiction. Definitely didn't sound like that. Yeah, like this and when he spoke on the next episode, I'm like, oh, why is he talking with his mouthpiece in? Oh, oh, no, no, he's not talking with his mouthpiece in. Why does he have such a, like a pronounced lisp and like kind of, oh, oh, okay, never mind, my bad. Yep. <laughs> uh, he, like I said, so he would leave WWE of his own accord uh, in about two months. Yeah. 
Um, so he's not long for the World Wrestling Entertainment at this point. Uh, Randy Orton comes out, and they make a point of saying that we haven't seen Randy Orton in 60 days, which <laughs> leads me to believe that that injury was a cover for a wellness violation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in his uh, promo, uh, Randy Orton calls uh, Summer calls SummerSlam the summer blockbuster. And he also attributes ECW to hardcore porn, which I cannot disagree with either of those statements. <laughs> I, I just have a couple of things. So uh, I am a big fan of the fact that they intentionally changed Kurt Angle's music during this era to eliminate the, I don't want to say DeWiki can kind of tell me what I'm missing here, but the cue that would lead people to say you suck because it right. never had that break to it, if that makes sense. Um, so they changed the cadence to the music. And ECW's Kurt Angle was just a monster who wanted to kill people, which was awesome. And he was going to be like this legitimate wrestler to, you know, steer ECW in the right direction. But obviously he didn't stick around long. So they were like, let's find somebody who can also pull off the mystique of just being a legitimate killer, but somebody that we can rely on. So they had like Chris Benoit take that spot. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> so they next, did. they brought in Chris Benoit to take Angle's spot. Uh huh. Legitimate <laughs> killer, huh? In the ring. In the oh, ring. in the ring. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that, next, that Orton promo was terrible too. I wrote that down. It was dog shit. Nah. It was. It was what it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, we have World Wrestling Entertainment Women's Champion Mickey James taking on former WWE Champion. Uh, women's champion and current ECW wrestler Jazz. Uh, this match was fine. Uh, this was a glaring example of how bad Jerry Lawler is and has been on commentary for the last 16 years. Um, just like outright calling Jazz ugly during this match. Like yeah. there was like no cleverness to it. It's just like, ah, she's ugly. And it was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, but this match was fine. Mickey James wins. Yeah, and uh, check on Kevin Hellions after this match. Make sure he's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, we do a uh, they show a Sabu video package to hype him up, um, and that was really good because it showed like tons of archival footage, made Sabu look like a killer and a wild man and a crazy person. And then backstage with Todd Grisham, John Cena does a promo where this was the time where John Cena was doing like a weird Southern accent as part of his <laughs> promo, which is very weird and odd from John Cena's regular speaking voice, but a good promo by John Cena. He puts over the importance, um, you know, of the match tonight with Sabu, but also the match at the pay-per-view with RVD, um, planting the seed for the, if Cena wins, we riot stuff that we would see at the pay-per-view that organically happened at another pay-per-view this past Sunday, as I'm winking into a <laughs> microphone, um, <laughs> The the but, sign was just there, Joe. He had nothing yeah, to do with it. Just there, randomly. Hey, who could? Yeah. Um. Because I believe Broski. He's honest, right? Um. But it was also at this point, it felt as though the hype of the one night stand promo or pay per view, the hype that they were doing on TV, was that this was historic because this was the first time that a WWE title was going to be defended at an ECW event. Which seems like a weird angle to take, but it definitely feels like a Vince idea of like, how can we get our WWE fans 
who only care about WWE and don't know what ECW is. How can we get them to care about this ECW pay-per-view, which is essentially just a WWE pay-per-view in a different building? Yeah. And they didn't like acknowledge things as brands back then. They were, you know, they wanted to establish, oh, it's a completely different rival company, but you should still go check it out. You know? Right. Uh, so next, Paul Heyman. Oh, sorry. Oh, I just want to say uh, a couple great things that, that Cena says. Homicidal, suicidal, genocidal, dance recital. I pop for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I pop for that. And Lawler and, brings it up like 16 more times on commentary. Yeah. Hey, I, John Cena, he's a dance recital. <laughs> I liked it the first time, obviously. And the fact that John Cena was very worried about losing the WWE title and being referred to as a GOAT, which just shows that in the last, like, 17 years the the term goat has changed a lot you know because because now you want to be the goat you know uh so next up paulie comes out and does an in-ring promo of a hype video for the pay-per-view where he runs down the card and this is where he really hammers home that ecw on the sci-fi network is going to be a new breed unleashed (laughs) yeah Next up, miss, we ha- I miss oh. Polly's ponytail. Well, Polly misses Polly's ponytail. <laughs> uh, so next up, we have an interpromotional battle royal uh, as the wrestlers of ECW take on the wrestlers of or the superstars of the World Wrestling Entertainment. Now, I want to read you some of the names that are in this uh, representing uh, the World Wrestling Entertainment. Okay. All right. So we've got Mark Henry. Uh, who would go on to be an ECW guy. Uh, Matt Hardy, uh, he'd also go on to be an ECW guy. Uh, Shelton Benjamin, he'd go on to be an ECW guy. Finley, he'd go on to be an ECW guy. And Bobby Lashley, he'd also go on to be an ECW guy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I really felt as though, like, this battle royal was um, them, like, kind of telling all of these people uh, that like, yeah, you, you get get used to wrestling these guys because you're getting demoted here shortly. <laughs> demoted. Uh, so the battle royal happens. Uh, we did get our big raw raw promos in the locker room beforehand, and we get the swerve bro of the big show tearing off his red shirt to reveal an ECW shirt. He wins the battle royal for the ECW wrestlers, and he defects to the rival brand of ecw what's this mean for the pay-per-view and sci-fi this week a new breed unleashed (laughs) and i remember watching this and being like all right despite the fact that the big show is a sweaty mess like he looked like he was in pretty good shape at this time like you know physically he was uh, not at his height of powers he wasn't like ripping heaters wcw big show but he certainly wasn't at his fattest either no um, so next up, we have Edge versus Tom Dreamer in like an, a hardcore match, an anything goes match, a whatever match, right? And for the most part, the two commentary teams have been cordial to each other. They did a bit where like Taz and King are going to go at each other. Joey Styles is just doing his job. And JR is like, well, try to be impartial, but I like the WWE more, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, it's during this match where they just decide to say, fuck it. And are just, like, not even paying attention to the match. They're shooting barbs at each other. They mention somebody being on SmackDown. And they bring up, like, Swoggle. 
and Lawler legitimately has no idea what they're talking about. And Joey said, I was like, King, would it kill you to actually watch the product that you're calling? Uh, which was a great <laughs> moment. Uh, not a great moment where there was kind of a bumble fuck off the top rope through a table where it wasn't supposed to be a table spot yet. So Edge tries to avoid it and then lands directly on his neck off the top yeah. rope. And that was super scary. Um, Lita interferes during the match. And uh, Joey Styles uh, says that she she doesn't know what she's doing because all of the STDs she has has rotted her brain. It was a different time, Joe. It was a different. I time. guess you can't judge, right? No. <laughs> um, the match goes on. Edge wins while uh, Mick Foley, being the champion that he is and knows what life is about, decides to sit there and let Terry Funk just beat away at his head to hard way open up a cut above his eye. <laughs> And just to go back to commentary, I don't know if it was at this point, but I think Styles or Taz, one of them said like to Jerry Lawler, shouldn't you be at somebody's senior prom right now, which I enjoyed thoroughly. There was a couple lines like that where it was like, oh, I'm going to get this dig on dig in on King right before they do a ring introduction so he can't reply to me. <laughs> it was good stuff. But uh, all right. Can we talk about like. This hidden gem, in my opinion, that is this Foley promo that comes. Oh out my next. God! Yes, yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, yes, Mick Foley cuts good promos, man. Yeah. And like this him cutting a 1995 ECW promo in 2006 WWE, and it was weird. Like before the match, like Edge is like Mick. Before they come out, I have to show you this clip, and it was a clip from one of those 1995 promos. And I think it was done as like a reminder. It's like, hey, Mick, don't forget you got to come promo after the match. <laughs> yeah, I the lighting on this was great. Like, like you mentioned, he was kind of channeling that old ECW vibe. But like, he's like, I sold out. Where do you get the nerve to call me a whore? ECW didn't love me back. You know, I loved ECW, but they didn't love me back. And the fact that he's like, Terry Funk, I blew him up in Japan and set him on fire in Philadelphia. Like, those are just great, like, little lines from that. It, obviously, this does not fit in the timeline of old school ECW. But, like, the quality is matching to the, you know, Kane Dewey and all, I'm a hardcore shit, you know? Right. Uh, and then we have our main event in a hardcore, no rules, whatever. Um, main event of John Cena taking on Sabu. I think this match was, like, seven minutes bell to bell, and it was awesome. Um, I think, uh, you know, we'll get into it. Later, don't I think they get a match at the pay per view down the road? Cena and Sabu, uh, I think so. Uh, that they, they are the uh, the vengeance, the next pay per view, because that was the stipulation for the next battle royal that happened on the next episode was the winner face Cena at Vengeance. Yeah, so this match was really good. Um, you know, this was during a time where like people were like you can't wrestle, Cena sucks, all that sort of stuff. Fuck you. Go back and watch this match. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. And obviously the announcers were bickering. And right before this match, we actually had Lawler and Taz actually throw down. And I remember I was still 
Taz-pilled at this time, because even though he was wearing very puffy shirts, like, I was still under the impression that Taz was, like, the baddest man on the planet. So I was just like, there's no chance Lawler was going to, you know, be able to hold his own against Taz. But uh, looking back at it now, I'm just like, oh, yeah, they're just two old, injured, broken-down men. And I like the fact that Kevin uh, Kevin Hellions pointed out that Hook is seven years old when this happens, just in case you were wondering <laughs> what he was up to. But, uh, yeah, the match ends with uh, Cena's trying to put in the STFU, and Big Show comes out, big brawl, go home for the pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, show was show was good, you know? Like, cut up, no commercials, no bullshit. Like, this was a fun episode of TV, right? Yeah, I mean, if you take out some of the uh, repetitive promos, like, repetitive uh, advertising of the pay-per-view, which I get, you needed it, but if you take that out... You take out the Mickey James versus Jazz match, which, no offense, just kind of gets lost in there. Uh, like, overall, that's like a really entertaining episode of television. And I remember, you know, being a huge ECW mark and hoping for the best, like hoping that my ECW was somehow going to come back. Watching that go home show for the pay-per-view, I was filled with such optimism. Like, I just watched RVD versus Rey Mysterio. I just watched Cena versus Sabu. I just watched an amazing promo from Mick Foley. And uh, fuck Mick Foley. But anyways, I just have to say that. <laughs> but I was going into that pay-per-view being like this is going to be the greatest thing ever and i know i didn't assign one night stand but like while it had its issues that was a super fun show you know the 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 tag team of tommy dreamer and terry funk versus cactus and edge great match obviously rvd winning when i didn't think he was going to but you know just all the the atmosphere of that match and uh brian myers i mean Edge coming out with a duster and the helmet uh, for the save. Like, I really enjoyed One Night Stand. So, like, between the go-home show for the pay-per-view, the pay-per-view itself, I was like, okay, Tuesday nights on Sci-Fi, this is going to be my favorite wrestling show in existence. And then Tuesday happened, and it was like, all right, things might not be what I had hoped for. <laughs> I don't, don't want to break your momentum there, uh, yeah. Adam, but I, I do want to say, you know, One Night Stand, I remember that show very well. Um, you know, there was blood, there was tables, there was fire, uh, uh -huh. there was barbed wire, and uh, I don't know, the real outlaws in the same building didn't do any of that stuff. <laughs> Just, you know, who are the real outlaws, Vince or those other guys? <laughs> So next up, we watched from June 13th, 2016, season one, episode one, ECW, A New Breed Unleashed. <laughs> and that's, uh, we get the, a, that's the show title this week, by the way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> as soon as they said it like 46 times during the course of these two shows, I'm like, well, there's the show title. <laughs> Unless one of us says something really fucking stupid during the course of the show. Yeah. Um, so this show is essentially Raw Jr., yeah, uh, I can really get into everything else, but like we get a recap of the pay per view. Paulie comes out, RVD comes out. He's got the belt. Um, he Paulie gives him the ECW title. RVD's like, well, I'm just gonna keep both titles. Edge and Lita come out. Edge says, "You invited me here. Uh, I'm gonna shake your hand like a man, and I'll see you at the pay per view." Then he spears RVD, and as he's leaving through the crowd, John Cena shows up behind him. Uh, and they brawl through the crowd, uh, you know, all of your ECW favorites, Edge and John Cena. <laughs> 
Yeah, so the first thing that's jarring about this, you know, rewatching it is just the fact that, you know, you have you're coming off of this massive, massive win from RVD and you're christening a new show. He is your baby face at the top of the crowd or at the top of the show. And the crowd is 50 50 booing him. You know, half of them are like, oh, my God, how could you beat John Cena? I'm going to boo you is because you're basically filming ECW the same crowd as you're doing SmackDown. And I get Paul Heyman at the time was like, oh, SmackDown's opening for us. We're the main event because ECW was live and they record SmackDown beforehand. But that crowd was not there to see ECW. They were there to see SmackDown. So they just hated half of the shit they were seeing. I kind of wish ECW on sci-fi had set up like a residency at Hammerstein or something like that, you know, just to keep that feeling of the crowd. Um, and before last thing I'll just say is you will never see any piece of material or uh, item work harder than the tape that was holding Lita's dress in place. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's whatever tape that was. If you need to like adhere lumber to like cinder block, <laughs> you need to like get that brand because that stuff was working hard. <laughs> Very jealous of that tape, right? <laughs> Where was the major Facebook group freaking 20 years ago? Good about that tape. <laughs> uh, so Paulie then backstage cuts a promo and says, we've been disrespected. We're going to Raw next week. You know, the senior show. <laughs> uh, then next up, we have our first match. The first match ever in World Wrestling Entertainment CW history. And it's the zombie versus the Sandman. <laughs> And this is one of those notoriously bad segments that everyone remembers, like, oh, how bad it was, you know? Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, well, you know, Paul was sticking it to WWE and sci-fi, saying, like, you're on sci-fi. You have to have sci-fi elements. And, like, we've learned years later that, like, Paul was like, hmm, I could do these things. I'm excited to put, like, aliens and shit on my TV show. It's a new breed unleashed. <laughs> um so this, uh, the zombie was played by journeyman, uh, Northeastern Jersey wrestler, Tim Arson. Uh, Sandman comes out, beats the shit out of him. And, you know, of course it's the Sandman. So you're really getting caned. And after a while, uh, the zombie stops selling and just kind of runs away. And then it's just like <laughs> casually walking back to the, uh, through the entrance way. So Sandman just tries to beat the shit out of him more. Yeah. And again, I just keep on like mentioning just the moment in time of me watching this. And uh, a couple of my friends that were ECW fans had watched the pay-per-view, you know, a couple nights before and just loved it. And so we all got together for this episode of ECW TV. And when the zombie came out, we just did, we all looked at each other like, what is going on? And this is the part where I was starting to realize that things might not be what I hoped they were going to be with the new ECW. But it was all, all my fears were alleviated by the next segment though, Joe. That's when I knew everything was going to be okay. Right. Next up, we have Kelly, just Kelly. uh, And she's here to tell us that she's an exhibitionist. And (laughs) later on tonight, she's going to get naked. And after the previous uh, ECW versus WWE show that was before the pay-per-view as Joey Styles and Taz shit all over Jerry Lawler about, like, his ogling women, the two of them are like, eh, hey, we're going to ogle this broad, you know? Hey, she's going to get naked. We got to do something. <laughs> uh, top-notch program. 
Uh, so next up, we get a uh, recap of the Taz Jerry Lawler thing from the pay-per-view. And holy fuck, was Lawler wearing like the jankiest shit-ass king's crown? And he wasn't even wearing his robe. Like Lawler could not have wanted to be anywhere less in his entire fucking life than being at that pay-per-view. Yeah, he did give Joey Styles a pretty solid shot to the point where I was like, oh, Joey should have took his glasses off because I think those are broken. <laughs> well, Joey gets his receipt when he punches out Bradsh on the plane a couple years later. <laughs> it all evens out the cosmos. Yeah. Uh, but next up, we have a match of Kurt Angle uh, taking on Justin Credible. And, uh, you know, t- Justin Credible's, uh, you know, he's there to be a low-end guy in the ECW totem pole. Uh, Kurt Angle just beats the shit out of him, and that's it. And then, like, hypes up his rematch with Randy Orton at, like, the WWE pay-per-view, Vengeance. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to face you with Vengeance. (laughs) And again, Kurt looked to be in great shape and uh, was talking clearly and coherently. (laughs) Uh, Everything would be okay. Right. Then Paul Lee's even more mad, and he says, I'm throwing out the format for the show. Everything else that I had planned is out the window because I want to show you what ECW is all about. And we're going to have a battle royal where it's no rules. Anything goes. Bring any weapon you want. Um, and the winner gets a match against John Cena at Vengeance. Yeah. Two shows in a row with a battle royal. But at least this one's extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get our second Kelly Kelly segment. Or just Kelly segment. Uh, this time it's framed in a way where it's very much focused on her ass. And she reminds us that she's an exhibitionist. <laughs> and later tonight, she's going to come out and get naked. Yeah. Once again, this is two A-plus segments in a row. <laughs> mm-hmm. Coming back from commercial, they show the building outside. You know, the the board lit up to show where Raw is to, or ECW is tonight. And as we pan away, uh, we see the former Mordecai, current uh, in this timeline, Kevin, uh, Kevin Thorne. And uh, Joey Styles and Taz don't come right out and say he's a vampire. But they just keep saying, is he, uh, wait a minute, does he have a, wait, is he, uh, <laughs> like, they're doing a vampire gimmick, but we can't say he's a fucking vampire? I don't know. It gets better when Ariel shows up, because, you know, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I, I, the old Kevin Thorne theme music was a banger, too. Go and look that up. That was pretty sweet. So then Kelly Kelly comes out, and they have, like, a little shit stage with, like, um, the curtain that you would see on like evening at the improv where it's just like <laughs> glitter that's like cut up and hanging. And uh-huh. she comes out and she she's going to strip. She takes a little skirt off. She takes her top off. She seems to have a problem with the back hitch of her bra. So she just pulls her bra down, covers up her nipples. The end? <laughs> Uh, I wasn't sure in my, my memory of this, like, do we get, uh, who, oh, now I'm drawing a blank. It wasn't Mike Snitsky. Knox. It was Mike Knox. Yeah, it was Broski's heater in NWA. <laughs> like, I wasn't sure if Knox is starting to come out immediately. Obviously, they lead to him being the jealous boyfriend, the possessive boyfriend. But, hold, all right, this is, this again, this is Kevin Hellions' gimmick, so I don't want to stomp on this. But, uh, uh, as yeah, far as, gimmick. like, a, yeah, his sk- on the scale of 1 to 10, Kelly Kelly here is 
uh, like a 150. And I think I need to add something else to that shelf of my, my details, the grease shelf. I might have to start looking for a card or something. Um, yeah. Uh, holy shit is all I'll say about that segment. It was, uh, it was pretty, pretty, pretty good. (laughs) Uh, so you know, uh, how she got hired, right? Uh, being hot? I don't know. Well, <laughs> again, famously, John Laurinaitis was flipping through a swimsuit catalog, saw yeah. her, and said, hire her. <laughs> Barbie blank, right? Swimsuit yes. model. All right. I think that that's how, well, no, nah, I'm not going to get myself canceled. Never mind. <laughs> right. I wasn't going to edit it out anyway, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Extreme Battle Royal. Extreme Battle Royal, we have all of the ECW people, uh, you know, I'm not going to name them all, but uh, I was shocked and appalled to see Big Guido had a job. Briefly, I think he was like only there that night. Right, but I was not shocked and not not appalled to see Trinity had a job. Yeah, somebody that I don't remember before or after this. Right, she is aligned with the FBI for some reason. And then, like, they kind of shunt her off, and then they have a different name for the divas in ECW, and I forget what the fuck it was, but, like, she becomes one of them, where, like, she's just in random skits and segments backstage, where it's like, oh, we're gonna play strip poker, and, like, she's just there as one of the random people, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's all. And here's the thing that's impressive, it's like, you're like, who will face John Cena at Vengeance? Will it be Danny Doring versus John Cena? Will it be Roadkill? Maybe Stevie Richards? No, there's really only like two people in that entire match that like could face John Cena, and it's like Big Show or Sabu. No, I, I would. I'll tell you this: I would have popped uh, for Stevie Richards versus John Cena on pay per view. Um, <laughs> but sure I think so. Uh, I know it sets up Sabu versus John Cena at the pay-per-view, but I also think later on it sets up a Rob Van Dam, or I'm sorry, a Sabu versus Big Show match. Like maybe like a two or three weeks down the road. That's really good too. Yeah. Um, And I'll say this in retrospect, right? Um, Taking everything into consideration because they end up taking the belt off RVD like in a week or two because him and Sabu get like pulled over with a bunch of weed on them or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, why the fuck not have Sabu win the title at the pay-per-view, right? Like the, the ECW title? No. Like at one night stand. Like, what oh, if Sabu okay. won the world heavyweight title off like off of Rey Mysterio, right? Yeah. I think, and again, armchair booking, 16 years later booking. I think you do that, right? And like fucking Sabu loses it back at Vengeance, whatever, right? Or he loses it back and, like, you know, they, they go and invade Raw or they go and invade SmackDown and lose the belt back. Whatever, right? So yeah. Sabu wins, and then you get the people in the crowd who were, like, too smart for their own good. They're like, oh, shit. They gave us Sabu winning the title because RVD's not going to win, and they don't want to piss us off. So they're giving us this because Cena's going to win. Oh, those motherfuckers, right? And then you end up having it where RVD and Sabu both win the belt at the ECW pay-per-view, right? Uh, And I think you just get, like, that cool moment of these two guys. You give them that moment. Is it similar to the Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit one from the WrestleMania the year or two prior? 
absolutely. But, like, they didn't give a shit about Ray in the title. Like, what the fuck would it have matter if, like, in that title lineage, Sabu has the belt for, like, three weeks? Yeah. And the only thing I can think of is it's, like, RVD, while he's, you know, an ECW guy, he was more or less a WWE talent for years. Yeah. And, like, Sabu was kind of new to the company at that point. Yeah, and like I, I said, let's of. fucking go crazy, man. Like, why not, yeah. you know? Yeah, but it, like I said, I assigned this because in my mind, early ECW, WWECW was terrible. But like I said, I bet that this backfired, like, for the most part. And there's stuff you can make fun of with the commentary being not ideal and, and you know, the zombie. But, like, I feel like that was an enjoyable, you know, two-ish hours of television. Yeah, I can't complain. It was fun. Yeah. Now, obviously, just like you walk me through the highlights of Chikara, I I will continue to curate the WWECW library and find all the most important hits. uh, I was going to say hits and misses, but there were really no misses. Uh, We'll see. This might not be the last time that we will see this era of classic ECW. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so no homework this week because it's the Royal Rumble. Next week I'll be assigning the uh, Chikara 2012 event under the hood. So if you need some extra time to watch it, you have like two weeks. Um, when we end up assigning it, I'll probably just pick assorted matches so it won't be the whole pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to watch the whole pay-per-view, I'm not going to stop you. Um, what do we got? What else we got going on? Plug-wise, of course, um, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, a.k.a independentwrestling.tv uh master wrestler season two just started this week it airs uh wednesdays before aew uh so yep. definitely check that out uh use the code at odds if you're a new subscriber it doesn't get you anything free but it lets jerry know we directed you to him to sign up for iwtv and again if you're not watching the live stuff and i think they have three live streams going on this weekend they've got a wealth of catalog of all of your favorite uh, independent promotions, all of your favorite wrestling stars. You could find stuff before they were quote unquote famous, you know, just go there and type in orange Cassidy and you'll find tons of fucking awesome stuff. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, go ahead and, uh, make a purchase through RT public store. Uh, it's 35% off until this upcoming Sunday, uh, for all those at odds, uh, shirts and designs that you can get in like cell phone covers and all sorts of other shit like that. Like I said, 35% off from now until Sunday as you're listening to this. And also you can help us out by making any purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. It's in the show notes to every single one of the episodes. Uh, does not cost you anything extra. Um, anytime that we could steal money out of Jeff Bezos's pocket is good for me, especially when I get to give Adam his cut of the fucking money at the end of the month. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include a Netgear wireless desktop access point. Okay, I don't know what that is, but it sounds fancy. It's like a router of some kind, I don't know. Uh, But thank you for your purchase, uh, whether it be this week, last week, or whatever. Uh, You know, I'm not going to say it pays for bandwidth or hosting or anything else like that. You know, just nice to get a couple uh, shekels every now and then off of that click-through, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, before we get to voicemails, which I haven't forgotten about, I will let you know that there are some other podcasts you should listen to. Those podcasts include Longbox Heroes, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Hit My Music, Between the Sheets, Viewer's Choice, 
IWTV Guide, Hellions Talks, Pod Van Dam, The A Show, and once again, go check out my appearance on this week's episode of Wrestling Cheers. Right, and absolutely. Yeah, you know, again, we added some extra stuff in there with the, the Rumble pick, you know, I kind of sort of might have forgotten about the voicemail, but here we go. It's voicemail time, everyone. Hey, guys, Kevin here. Um, I'm in the middle of listening to Adam's appearance on Wrestling Cheers uh, to listen to everything in the correct order. And <laughs> he was making some complaints about QCW or, or at least addressing others complaining about it. And honestly, I am one of those complainers. Not for Cardona, though. I love the hell out of that for the spectacle that it is. And it is clear that Cardona just loves wrestling and loves having fun. And Say What You Will Be brings an enjoyment to it. No, my complaints overall, the the booking of the show, honestly. I don't understand having Effie lose to Jarrett and having Ali Catch lose to Ruby Soho. You have your homegrown talent that you have booked and created and molded and publicized and pushed and everything, and they both lose to people who aren't going to be there for the next show. And then finally, you have this elaborate uh, tag team uh, open challenge here which we all knew is going to be Nick Gage and someone else. But you have Nick Gage come out with 10 minutes until 11 o'clock, obviously a hard off of pay-per-view by the 11 call going on. And, yeah, let's have a guy come out that the fans are going to mob him, and he's going to take five minutes to get to the ring. So then we got to rush our main event here on our biggest show ever. I don't understand the booking. I was honestly very disappointed on it. Not that I'll stop watching GCW, but... Uh, this was built up and I kind of think they dropped the ball in the end here with uh timing of the show and their homegrown talent. So anyways, that was just my thought for the show. Try and keep it shorter this week. Talk to you guys later. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. As I mentioned earlier, I, I hope I didn't give the impression on wrestling cheers that I watched the entire GCW show. Cause that, as I mentioned here, all I watched was the broski Janela match. So uh, I, I do not endorse nor condemn the rest of the show. Um, if we compare this against the homecoming show in Atlantic city that I went to that went super long, um, I think it was because that one was on fight and not traditional pay-per-view. So they were able to just go as long as they needed to. Um, maybe that is where GCW should stay for, for a little bit. I get that they wanted the uh, ability to say, Oh, we're on main pay-per-view or like real pay-per-view, national, like regular, whatever, to try to get themselves some legitimacy. But maybe you're not quite ready for that, you know? You definitely do give the impression on Wrestling Cheers that you did watch the entire pay-per-view. Oh, okay. I did. <laughs> and the paper being on real pay-per-view was one, but even a bigger thing, even if they were just on fight, being at the Hammerstein Ballroom uh, with the unions and everything, they did have a hard out that they had to be done by a certain time. Um, okay. And again, like I said, you know, real outlaws, but they're following a lot of rules is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. um, Kevin Dude, makes I mean, it five people that had issues with the show not being good that yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, now, I will say this. Um, if you believe the rumor and innuendo uh, that's out there that maybe Double J was supposed to lose and then kind of uh, in the way that only Double J can talked himself backstage into another booking that he'll put Effie over in the next match. <laughs> uh, so J Double J is going to be back, allegedly, but we'll see. And uh, GCW did release promos uh, today on their YouTube and on their social media uh, explaining uh, the Ruby Soho versus Ali Catch match. 
uh, in that Ruby Soho said that uh, even though uh, uh, Ali Catch is one of the pillars of GCW and she built this place, which again, okay, um, <laughs> it still doesn't matter because she's still lost. And then uh, Ali Catch's promo says, uh, it doesn't matter. Wins and losses don't matter. It doesn't matter that she lost because uh, she fucking went out there and did it. And uh, I just say, okay, I guess that's uh, the storyline there. Um, <laughs> I <yeah>. tried. <laughs> yeah. I tried and lost, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm still. Anyway. Uh, yeah, all right. Button. Pink button time. Hey, Joe and Adam, it's Ed. Um, so what happened this week? Uh, <laughs> I tested negative for COVID. Yay. So I went to AEW with Chaver and Alabama Dan, and uh, it was a really good time. CM Punk got beat up by five people, and that sucked. Uh, <laughs> came out at the end of the show and gave Jungle Boy a chip, and I liked that. And uh, me and Alabama Dan and Jobber made a lot of jokes about how Bobby Fish was like 70 years old. And that was a really good time. Um, I just, I just want to say thanks for being the home of exclusive Ed Cody content for this <laughs> month. I'll be on Poggy and Dam next week, back on the show. Uh, so that'll be fun. But also, you can catch me on, if you catch my grift this weekend, I'm pretty sure it's this weekend, where uh, I talk about my hero, Belle Delphine. Uh, Adam, she's worth a Google. I think you'll be a fan. Oh, huge fan. <laughs> um, I know Adam wanted me to say something about Bret Hart, because uh, it's been a minute, and he hasn't heard anything about how Bret Hart is terribly fucking boring. But I got to talk about it last night, because Alabama Dan and Brian both said Bret Hart is like their favorite or one of their favorites ever, and I had to inform them that's because... You watched the WWF in 1995, and they are really good at marketing. And I didn't. I didn't watch it then. Uh, so by the time I got it, I, I didn't have that marketing machine behind Bret Hart trying to convince me that he isn't the most boring fucking man alive. Uh, so luckily I dodged that bullet, and I, I was really happy about that when they both informed me. <laughs> they, they really love Bret Hart. Uh Hey, did you guys talk about the GCW show yet? I wish Giancarlo was as good at the time he shows as he is his video at uh, videography. Fuck Jeff Jarrett forever. If I were Effie, I would stab that man in his fucking Achilles tendon. <laughs> Shoot on him, brother. <laughs> I don't know. I'm very high. Uh, I, I guess this, this I mean, I'll talk to you next week, but uh, you know, I don't have to give you an update. I'll just be able to talk about whatever you, you know, you ask about. So, uh, see you in the future. <laughs> That's Pat's catchphrase. Stop it. <laughs> oh, thank you, Ed. Was, again, I, I really do appreciate him clarifying things with the Bret Hart situation. And uh, it, it will be sad to no longer be the exclusive source of Ed Cody updates in the future, you know? Well, I think you get a different Ed on our voicemail than you do on Pod Van Dam, and then you will on Catch My Grift this week. Yeah. Uh, but to address some of the things that Ed said there, I love the fact that, like, everyone in their mind with the match with Disco Inferno last year, everyone decided, like, Effie is, like, this secret shooter. And <laughs> that, like, he's going to shoot on Jeff Jarrett and or on, on, on Disco Inferno and beat him up for real. Disco Inferno, who had, like, a foot and a hundred pounds on Effie. 
Uh, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett, who even if Effie pulled a knife and cut his Achilles tendon, somehow like money would just pour out of the wound because <laughs> Jeff Jarrett falls ass backwards into millions and millions of dollars because he's fucking Jeff Jarrett and he'll he will outlast and outlive us all. And when him and Conrad and Broski allegedly open up the actual number three promotion in the world, even bigger than Ohio Valley Wrestling, then we'll all be laughing on our way to the bank. <laughs> and in regards to Ed's remarks, in regards to Bret Hart, I have a twofold response here. One, he mentions Bret Hart in 1995, where he was shoved down our throat. And that's where Ed is wrong, because in 1995, Shawn Michaels was shoved down our throat. The most charismatic, the most electrifying, the greatest entertainer in all of sports was Shawn Michaels, where he could do no wrong. He won every match. Where Bret Hart's 95 was the re in year three of his feud with Jerry Lawler um, against a wrestling dentist and then against <laughs> a wrestling pirate. So, uh, Sounds pretty Hart, what was that? Sounds pretty boring, Bret Hart's uh -huh. terms there. And Bret Hart, you know, so boring, so bad, so everything. Ed's hero, CM Punk, loves Bret Hart. So by proxy, Ed loves Bret Hart. <laughs> if you love right, CM well, Punk, then you love Bret Hart, especially CM Punk in 2022. If he's your favorite wrestler, he's just cosplaying Bret Hart. <laughs> If, if CM Punk starts wearing a hockey jersey and baggy jorts, you know, we're screwed. And, and if the lawyers are listening, that's me saying positive things about CM Punk. That's not yeah. negative things. Those are positive things. Yeah. And uh, speaking of positive things, uh, again, Ed, I will reiterate, I know fully well who Belle Delphine is. Uh, much like my my twin, who was completely derailed by top the, that topic on Pod Van Dam. Uh, I'm very familiar with Belle Delphine. That won't stop me from Googling her later, though. <laughs> A bunch of creeps. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for voicemail, huh? That's right. And it's time for... a little some might cost a lot but i'm the hundred dollar vansky and your figures will be bought So Adam spoiled all of his purchases this week on Wrestling Cheers, but in between taping that on Monday and recording this today, uh, he had to go fill the coffers back up so he had things to speak about, right? Uh, pretty much, yeah. As you mentioned, I, I did, uh, Justin is an investigative journalist. He managed to pry all of my weekly purchases out of me. Uh, I do want to mention one or two of them on this week's uh, at odds, but uh, for the most part, if you want to get the full story of everything I purchased in the past seven days, uh, be sure to go check out the weekly purchases segment of Wrestling Cheers, which I hope is like a recurring segment. You know, like uh, Justin will be interviewing, you know, referee Tom Dunn, and he'll be like, oh, what'd you buy this week? You know, just something going on from AIW. Uh, but anyways, I do have a, a decent amount of stuff. I, I want to mention, and I mentioned this on Wrestling Cheers, but 
at the one of the most must-see pay-per-views of all of indie wrestling, GCW, <laughs> this past week. Um, Paps Corporate and the Cardonas, in a very generous gesture, uh, put sanitary wipes on all the chairs because GCW fans are disgusting and smell bad. And Charlie Butters, friend of the show, was nice enough to hook me up with one of those. So he's going to send that my way. It's not something that I don't think I would have bought, uh, at least not admitted to buying, but uh, I'm glad that I'm getting one for free. So thank you, Charlie Butters, for sending me the uh, sanitary wipe. Yeah, that was a fun, cute little gimmick that the uh, the Cardonas did. Yeah. Uh, one other real quick thing, and I'll throw it over to you, is speaking of things that are silly and I should not have bought, in this week's something crate, I don't know, these crates are all ridiculous and run together, but there was an item that I needed. Now, Joe, obviously you're a huge deathmatch ghoul, right? Uh, sure, I could pass for one. Yeah, and obviously one of the biggest and most notorious weapons that it's you that are used in modern death matches are pizza cutters. Uh, and as you know, the most successful and famous deathmatch wrestler uh, uses that a lot in his matches. And I'm, of course, referring to the deathmatch king, Matt Cardona. So I purchased from this month's whatever crates a deathmatch king broski pizza cutter. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> now he had a pizza cutter used on him. Ah, see, I don't remember that part. In my mind, he was on the offensive the whole time. Uh-huh. <laughs> the way he was bleeding all over the place. Very <laughs> offensive. Yes. But yeah, it's literally a pizza cutter that says Deathmatch King Matt Cardona. <laughs> I was like, this is silly. I need it. It was cheap. It was like $10. Yeah. He's a silly boy doing silly things, you know? Yes, exactly. What about you, Joe? Do you have something? Well, uh, this week we uh, made the final purchase for my son's uh, Christmas. Uh, We had gotten him like a little desk set up in his room uh, so he could have his computer and everything else there. So when he's, you know, playing his Roblox or whatever the hell it is that he does with his friends, he's kind of like has his privacy and everything. And we wanted to get him, like, a desk chair, an office chair, a gaming chair, or something um, that he wanted. Um, you know, we didn't want to just get one and say, eh, that's what you got. You know, deal with it, right? Yeah. Um, so we took him to Staples. Um, they had, like, a whole bunch of them laid out there for him to sit in and whatever. And, like, we're like, whatever he picks, you know? Um, yeah. I saw someone on Twitter, and again, it's a different world when you're a parent, you know? Um, that especially like, you know, maybe you didn't have everything or maybe like you were one of like three or four or five or multiple kids, you know, um, and you didn't kind of get everything that you want. You just want to, you know, get your, like not spoil your kid, but if they want something or need something or whatever, you're, you're going to get them whatever they want. Right. Yeah. So if he picked out like the $800, like weirdo ergonomic chair, like. That's what he picked out. That's what we were going to get him, you know? Okay. He didn't, thankfully. <laughs> um, he did pick out, like, a standard desk chair that they did not have in stock. And, like, I was like, well, let's get the store model. You know, we'll get a couple bucks off. But by them ordering it online for us and having it shipped to my house, um, it was free shipping. And it was $25 cheaper online than it was in store. So it was only end up, like, 150 bucks or whatever it was. But I had to put the chair together myself. 
which was not difficult, but just unwieldy. Yeah. Uh, so, right. you know, my kid's got a, a chair for his whole little gaming setup in his room. You know, he's happy. There you go. All right. Um, as I said on Twitter, I went on a doll safari this past week. Again, I need to refill my weekly purchases. And to once again celebrate the greatest television show known to man, I found another Peacemaker McFarlane multiverse figure. But this one was the standard masked version. I had bought the unmasked Target exclusive last week. Uh, the masked one uh, I didn't have. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to buy it. So I picked that up. And uh, the other figure that I bought, and then I'll send it back over to you, is I caved and I purchased the ringside exclusive Blood and Guts Exploding Barbed Wire Deathmatch John Moxley versus Kenny Omega 2-pack. Oh, okay. Because it is a cool as fuck looking figure and uh, comes with a bunch of like barbed wire bats and chairs and tables and uh, the, the guys are just obviously covered in blood and it's just a cool looking setup and... Uh, it was at the threshold where uh, it would have been free shipping, so like I wasn't paying like extra, so I was able to justify just ordering that, you know, as if I had found it in a store, you know. Absolutely. All right, and I have something else, but what about you? What else you got? All right. Well, last but not least, you know, I've been showing the progress of the Bib Fortuna collection, right? Absolutely. And, and I've been saying like X received and however many to go, right? Uh -huh. And I wasn't including in the however many to go the vintage collection one, right? Because I had pre-ordered it months ago. Uh, you know, we discussed it here on the show that I pre-ordered it from Amazon. Uh, you know, I could have pre-ordered it through Amazon or directly through Hasbro um, or, you know, one of the other, you know, your big bad toys stores or whatever, Entertainment Earth. And it was all more or less like the same price within a couple bucks of each other. Maybe one would have shipped earlier, maybe one or, or, you know, whatever. But they were all shipping like between May 1st and May 4th, right? Yeah. So I wasn't including that one because it's pre-ordered. It's not coming out for another three months, right? So on Tuesday, our local comic book retailer tags me in a tweet because they got their shipment of the vintage collection in and that Bib Fortuna was in it. <laughs> And I say dis 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 distribution problems, um, and we had a whole conversation, um, you know. And obviously, we're dealing with it with the uh, Brian and Matt Super Seven figures. We're like Entertainment Earth has them already, and this one already has them. But the actual distributor and manufacturer Super Seven themselves still don't have them yet, right? Yeah. And, and you know, my retailer just mentioned that like these days with the toys, because they come from so many different places and you could order them so many different ways. Like if you order it directly through diamond, maybe it'll come sooner, but like maybe a different line will come later or whatever. So it was the vintage collection one. So I got the one that was supposed to come out in May that I already pre-ordered. So I picked it up. When I went to go get my comics on Wednesday, I came home, I canceled my Amazon pre-order, and that was that. Now, let me ask you this. There is the vintage collection. Have you looked to see if there is the retro collection? I know. I, are you familiar with the difference? I am. Okay, the retro collection just looks like an older figure, but it's very easy to get them mixed up. Is there a retro of Bib, Bib Fortuna? There is not. So I'm okay. going to, you know, we're still doing the screen share here, right? Okay. Yep. So if you look, 
this is from like a whole like toy database, you know? Okay, yeah, I've, I'm familiar with this website. I've used this. Uh, for okay. So you see, there is no classic collection. There's the vintage collection of this, right? Yeah. And this is another one of those ones where like, here the vintage collection, if you click on the link for it, it goes to a thing that says, to be released in May 2022. You click on this one for the Black Series figure, and it says, to be released May of 2022. Both of those I already have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so the only two that I have left that I need to get, with an asterisk, I say, is the original trilogy collection and the saga collection. But Adam, I want you to I want you to look at my saved searches here on eBay. Yeah. Because I have the Micro Machine one in there. And, okay. You know, just because I also threw in that gentle giant jumbo and the sideshow collectibles one. Yeah, because you never know. Maybe like yeah. somebody puts one up on an auction, you know, and like nobody was really bidding on it. You can get a deal. Right. So I'm just probably rooting. some because this happened so like fast. Like I got like five of them in a month, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna take it easy. I'm gonna keep an eye on these like once a week or when I get my like because I get like the email alert every morning, you know, as like new ones went up or whatever it is. And if I start to see like any weird spikes in the prices, like I did with the Bendem. Yeah. Where the Bendems were all like five to ten dollars, then I see saw people putting a bunch up for like twenty and twenty-five, and I'm like, okay, something's up. Let me grab one real quick before it gets too out of hand. Yeah, before whatever's up before it gets out of, yeah, I get what yeah. you're saying. All right, well, I'm glad, you know what, I'm not saying that you absolutely positively need the Gentle Giant and the other one, but, you know, obviously I, I want to see you potentially become the Michael Jordan of Bib Fortuna collecting, and you can't exclude figures like that, you know, if you're going to have that title. So it's just, I want you to cover all your bases. And I like the fact that you've added it to your safe searches, you know? Right. Now here's the thing, Joe, I did get something else this week and you know, I, we're just now talking about you being a completist or not necessarily one yet, but me trying to encourage it. Uh, as, as you may or may not know, I am the Michael Jordan of Azrael figure collecting. And I have, Every single Azrael figure ever made, mint in box, perfect shape, every color variation, every variance, every like store exclusive, every bust, every model kit, every single thing, every Funko Pop. There is not an Azrael figure that exists that I don't have. Um, and then a couple months ago, friend of the show and Scotty Pippen of Azrael figure collecting Shane Hagedorn uh, tweeted out that he had found amongst his kids toys uh, that there was a Thomas, the tank engine modeled after Azrael. Right. And obviously he liberated that from his kids toys, added it to his Azrael collection. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's cool. But uh, don't really need a train. Cause I'm not the Michael Jordan of Azrael train collecting. Sure. Uh, Michael Jordan of Azrael figure collecting. But here's the thing, Joe. If you're going to be the best at something, you need to be the absolute best. So for Christmas this year, from friend of the show Dave Holden, I acquired, and I, just, I actually just got it now due to some di distri distribution problems, I acquired a mint on card Thomas and Friends DC Super Friends 
<laughs> nine pack of choo-choo trains <laughs> that includes, among others, an Azrael Batman choo-choo train. <laughs> and I sent that along to you. <laughs> now, did we talk about this? I'm not sure. So um, we talked off mic. No, no, I know. We, we've actually talked about this before, but go ahead. Yeah, well, we talked when when this first was brought to my attention many months ago, I had said that I would entertain the idea of putting it in my watch list, in my save list, just like you are doing with those Bib Fortunas. Right. Uh, and then there was never any developments from there. Uh, and then Dave was nice enough to order me this for Christmas, uh, and the seller sent him a random other pack, and Dave not quite known who Azrael was gave me that random other pack and I was like oh hey thank you and uh, I kind of had to be like I felt like shit but I was like yeah Azrael's not in this pack so uh he got it straightened out with the seller and it is now in my hands and I could say that I am 100% there is not a single Azrael figure or Azrael figure adjacent product that I do not own um I get so if I'm looking at that correctly, mm. the set the middle row where it has Green Arrow, Red Tornado, that other thing is Azrael there. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard. Like if I was to take a picture of the backside, it's a little bit more clear, like looking at it from the front and whatnot. But that's basically Asbat. And on the backside of the packaging, it literally says like whatever that train character's name is you know whatever uh it'll say thomas as Azrael batman you know which is common that that's they don't just call him Azrael, you know now do you have the um the imagine x figure i do okay yeah well, I, I knew had there to... was i knew there was an imagine x uh-huh um like i knew there was like a solo carded one and I assumed that you had that one. I wasn't sure if there was like another Imagine X that came with like a playset that you could only get either loose or with the playset. So there are several child's uh, Azrael figures. Uh, right. There are three different box sets uh, of multiple figures. Like the, each one of the box sets comes with one large heavy guy. Like uh, the one of them is like Bane is three times the size of the rest of the figures. And it's like, Oh, Bane, you know, Batman, Robin, Azrael, and like Catwoman or whatever. And then there's another one where it's like Solomon Grundy is the big guy and whatever. So there's three different Azrael's in those three different box sets. I have all of those. Um, and then there are, and I'm actually, because this came up in the major Facebook group, because somebody asked me the same thing. They're like, oh, yeah, well, do you have this? And I'm like, ha you stupid bastard, I have everything. You know, so this was my <laughs> response. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there is an Imaginex that I have on card. And then there is a Batman Unlimited that is like a kid's line. And it doesn't say it's Azrael. And I'm actually sending it to you. But if you take a look at it, I mean, this is clearly Asbat, you know, when you see okay. it. Okay. I see what you're talking about. Now, that Batman Unlimited line is a, is a weird line because that's like, and again, I hate to say that, but that's like the dollar store Batman line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if anyone would know, you would know, is that the only one of those or is there another multi-pack of those? Um, there They used this mold uh again but they repainted it where it was clearly batman beyond so i don't count it 
Okay, okay. Because no. I ask, because I think a couple of years back, my kid got like a two-pack or a three-pack or something where it was like Scarecrow, Killer Croc, and like that-looking Batman, but he was painted all black. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that is the uh, Batman Beyond one. Okay. You know, like I said, it's the same mold, but I think it even said like Terry McGinnis or or Batman of the Future or something to that sure. effect. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, the Michael Jordan of Azrael figure collecting, so that is all squared away. And again, thank you, Dave Holden. Now, is there any Azrael stuff on the, um, on the horizon? <clears throat> is there any sort of like toy fair? I know toy fair in New York, like proper was canceled but is there anything on the horizon that we need to be ready for um well there is a mcfarlane multiverse walmart exclusive repaint uh of the sean murphy Azrael uh suit you know what i'm saying like that yeah, yeah. from that run uh that i pre-ordered a couple days before the last real rumble <laughs> and it still has not arrived because it is a walmart item and they have been not widespread but they've been in stores for months so i pre-ordered it but i still don't physically have it in my possession um but like i said i'll get that when it when it comes it comes and my second oldest email in my phone uh with my oldest being the super sevens of course my, my second oldest from uh october 23rd 2020 uh big bad toy store is a Batman Nightfall uh, M-A-F-E-X, Mafex, Mafex, uh, Azrael Batman, which is those, like, super detailed with, like, the cloth clothes and 100 different arms and heads and all that stuff. Uh, so basically this is, like, a one of those where it was, like, brand new retail price was, like, $100. Yeah. So it's, like, those super collector's grades. But there, it's a Nightfall Batman uh that again just hasn't arrived yet it's been an hour or i'm sorry a year-long pre-order process and it said it would ship in january 2022 and sh oh shit yeah i'm realizing it's been a, a year and like three months now i i only ask because you know obviously as you're aware of anyone uh, we are coming up on the 30-year anniversary of Azrael. Yeah. And I just wonder if there has been any sort of things that have been announced or leaked or something uh, in regards to that this year. I haven't seen anything yet, but I mean, I, I joke on Twitter that it's the golden age of Azrael. I've gotten, you know, a dozen Azrael figures in the past two years, which is a pretty large turnout, like, uh, you know, for there being no anniversary. So uh, I'd be awesome if there was even more, you know, maybe some stuff based on, you know, the, the run from 30 years ago from sort of Azure or whatever, but I haven't heard anything, you know, like I got a Funko pop this year, you know, I got to one, two, three, four, like five different multiverse figures from McFarlane in the past two years. So I'm not expecting anything else. Gotcha. And Joe, uh, before we wrap this up, just because there are some people that won't listen to Wrestling Cheers and shame on them, uh, but I did tease this last week, and I know you listen, so I'll just mention this really quick. Uh, I had teased last week that I had bought something super rare, 
Um, and I did not send you the picture of this. You just heard the audio. Yeah. But I purchased two sets of WWE Jack's microaggression figures. Uh, one of them was Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, and The Undertaker. The other one was Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, and Matt Hardy. And the thing that was unique about these is that if you look at the backside of the boxes, uh, these are production samples. Ooh. So they, uh, and I, honestly, I don't know. I'm not an expert on this. Uh, I know just from what I pick up from listening to the, the Toy Boy podcast. But, you know, from the looks of it, these were stickers that were slapped on the back of them to basically send them around in the office or from department to department to be like, okay, what's wrong with these? Do they meet what we wanted? Whatever. Like one of them has some notes written on it that says missing date code. And there's some signatures from people that were in the office. I w- would have been awesome if one of the signatures was Jeremy Padauer, but uh, <laughs> I can't tell. Um, but here's the thing about these. I mean, not only uh, is it kind of like a one of one, cause you're not going to see another one of these and I've never seen one before. But I got the two of these for less than a normal one goes for, if that makes sense. Okay, now, question, I guess. How yeah. did you stumble upon something like this? Just This is just your broski, Matt Cardona, Google alert that's set up, and this just popped up one day? Exactly. It was just, I, I, have, a, I have a save search for Matt Cardona, and this just came up. Or it was one of those things where... It's like, here's the three things that came up. But if you scroll a little bit further down, it says, here's some results matching fewer words. And it was just, this was just there. It was an auction. I think the starting bid was like 30 bucks. And I I got it for like 33, you know, plus shipping. And these things by themselves usually sell for like 50 bucks each. Okay. So I got the two of them for less than what I paid for the one, which is, or what I could have paid for the one, which is why I'm like, oh, if this turns out that it's bullshit and somebody just printed a sticker and slapped it on the back of them, it's not like I paid a premium. And and why would you go through the trouble of faking a microaggression sticker? Like I can understand like Hasbro's or something like that. You know, you want to fake a prototype of that, but uh, for as little as I paid for these, uh, and just the fact that they look legit to me, uh, I'm happy with it, you know? Now, the other question I have is, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, you, you waited to mention it on Wrestling Cheers and to mention it here. You haven't posted this in the group yet, have you? I have not. Because I wonder if this is going to set up the broski signal to reach out to you that this might be something that he needs in his collection. And that is possible. It, it is also possible that somebody in the group sold it to me. You know, oh, like, okay. Gotcha. I, I mean, I, I base that on nothing. I'm just saying, like, I see a lot of times somebody will, will post something in the flea market, and then I'll see the same thing pop up on eBay at, like, a higher price, you know? Um, I haven't posted this in the Facebook group just because I'm, you know, obviously I'm kayfabing it until I told you on the show. Uh, but I will take some better pictures. And I'll, I'll say literally the same thing I just said. is like, I don't know if these are legit. I think they're cool. I bought them anyways and uh, see what happens, you know? Right. I would sell them. Again, I didn't pay much for them. So we'll see. But that's all I have, Joe. Slim week. All right. Like I said, got to wait till they're in hand so I'll have one more for next week. Uh, You know, something I ordered, but it's not in yet. And we'll, you know, cross that bridge and 
the lament of a uh, parenthood sort of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not as excited as exciting as Adams, but a teaser for next week, you know? Oh, all right. That's it. All right, everyone. Thank you very much uh, for bearing with us again. A little bit of a different show this week because we had to do the rumble picks. Uh, everyone will be messaged their numbers. Watch the rumble this week. You know, still one of the few shows that World Wrestling Entertainment has ru- hasn't ruined yet. And I hope I didn't just jinx them by saying that. Oh. Uh, so for Adam, this is Joe saying thanks for listening to episode 175 of At Odds with Wrestling. Uh, be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.